We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. Well, we told you on Bulls Beat there was a seismic shift in the whole situation when it comes to baseball in the conference. We'll give you the details of how Wichita State was able to pull off a sweep of East Carolina, where it put them in the new RPI rankings, which for sports like basketball got updated every day, which is pretty cool. But in baseball, and it makes sense, they wait until the full weekend is done. And yeah, it was uh, pretty notable on many fronts. Houston is tied with Wichita for first place after taking two or three from Memphis. We'll give you those details. Also, players of the week in both baseball and softball. Everything was a sweep in softball. And again, as we discussed a little bit on Bulls Beat, the noteworthy nature of the one that took place in Houston actually, in my opinion anyway, benefits the Bulls. But we'll certainly talk about that. We'll also give you more details on the championships for the men's and women's tennis squads, both from SMU, and how Houston cruised to that championship at Bel Air, as far as men's golf, we'll also give you the players of the week and some results from women's lacrosse. So, yeah, East Carolina was the team that was top 10, according to the computers, just outside the top 10, according to the voters. And Wichita State was a team that certainly wasn't bad and had a solid mix of hitting and pitching and had a recent victory against Oklahoma State. But would they be able to pull something off and really get everyone's attention? The answer is absolutely This series was supposed to begin on Friday, but due to some getting out of town issues for East Carolina, they played a doubleheader on Saturday, and Wichita State got a complete game shutout in the first game. Peyton Tolley, who, by the way, didn't get named AAC Pitcher of the Week when this game went final on the air Saturday afternoon, I said, mark it down, the race is over. That actually didn't happen, but... There's a little bit of a reason for it before we get to that. Let's tell you more about this first game. And it wasn't just Peyton Tolley, but yeah, it was basically Peyton Tolley because he went the distance, struck out 10 in the masterpiece. But the other side of it was Wichita State chased ECU ace Trey Yasevich in the second inning. He gave up just a couple of runs, so it is a little surprising that they pulled him so quickly. But a lot of guys were getting on base. He actually gave up six hits. Got the benefit of a runner being thrown out trying to steal while Wichita was getting two runs in the bottom of the second. But if you look at it, he got two outs. One was on a caught stealing, and there were five hits mixed in and around that as the Shockers were getting ahead 2-0. Two runs in three frames and another in the third, and that was more than enough for Peyton Tolley, who went to 7-1 on the season. But if you're East Carolina, surely you're thinking, no big deal, shake it off and get it back in the second game, and they sure enough took the lead in the top of the first, but Chuck Ingram, who's been so huge swinging the bat for Wichita, homers in the bottom half, and then the Shockers take the lead for good with three more in the bottom of the second against, really, co-ace Carter Spivey, who came in 4-1 and one to this game, but this was Wichita's weekend. David Herring had the go-ahead home run. Ingram would finish with three hits and three RBI. Sawyer Thornhill would finish 4-4 four for four with his double, making it 5-3. to three. That was after the Pirates had cut it to one run. In the sixth inning, Tolley himself added a two RBI single. He happens to be their DH when he's not pitching, and that was the ball game. Clark Candiotti got the win. It's his sixth straight winning decision. He needed some help and got it from Jace Miner, who pitched the last three and a third innings for the save. So they got a winning. It's a 6-0 and Trey Yasevich, who had 80-plus strikeouts, and then they get the W against Spivey in his 4-1 and with the three ERA. Here comes Josh Groves for East Carolina to surely get at least one win out of the weekend. He was undefeated and, in fact, was pitching a shutout, but so was Wichita State's Grant Adler until two bases loaded walks for the Shockers kickstart a five-run fifth inning. 
Peyton Tolley with the big two-run double. And yep, you see where this is going. Peyton Tolley was the player of the week in the conference, not the pitcher of the week. Grant Adler got those honors as he went the distance. Did walk a couple and only struck out five, quote-unquote, but to shut out East Carolina, 122 pitches, by the way, 17 ground ball outs. Simply amazing for Wichita State. Before we get to the players of the week, we'll give you the whole standings of what went on in the other two series. Wichita State is now 8-4 and four in conference. So is Houston. The Cougars, and this is about how you figured it would go, take two of three against Memphis, and all three games were decided fairly early as Houston wins 8 to nothing on a one-hitter in Memphis on Friday night. Alex Lopez did the biggest damage at the plate with an early two-run homer to get them going. He would later add a couple more RBI and it was a combo. Josh Eckness went six innings on a one-hitter and did walk three, so he threw 104 pitches. wasn't like he was going to get the chance to finish it off. Maddox Miller did that with his first career save. The old-fashioned inherit a big lead and go the last three innings for the save. Not giving up a hit, that'll help your cause. But Memphis turned it completely around, except for the one-hitting the Cougars part. It was a 9-3 win on Saturday as Memphis took a three-run lead with a couple of home runs in the bottom of the third. Ball was flying out as Houston answers with one in the top half. Anthony Tulamero, who's been great for them, challenged. Memphis gets two right back and then puts it away with four in the sixth inning. Logan Kohler went five for five in this game. And Dalton Fowler, who's been very good on the mound for them, goes to five and three. Six innings on three hits, five strikeouts, one walk, and only gave up two runs. But like I said, everything was decided early. Houston grabbed a two-spot in the first and a seven-run fourth. And the only disappointing part for the Cougars was they had it up to run rule at the end of five, ten-nothing, only to have Memphis get a one-out homer in the bottom of the seventh. Really, Houston didn't come close to tacking on. They did, however, get the magical moment of Justin Murray attempting a five-for-five day and getting it with their only homer of the game which he did in the ninth inning. So the Cougars with that win, which was set pretty quickly, are indeed your first place team because Houston and Wichita both at eight and four, but the Cougars have already played and beaten the Shockers two out of three. Guess what? By coincidence, they play each other again in a couple of weeks. So as it stands, that would be for first place. Again, East Carolina game back. The Bulls are alone in fourth at six and six. And then three teams at five and seven, UCF, Cincinnati, and Tulane. Bearcats and Green Wave took on one another this past weekend. Cincinnati came back from down 6 nothing, going into the bottom of the second to win 12-9. Oh, by the way, they had the lead back at the end of the second as they scored seven runs. And it was capped off by a three-run homer by Cameron Guidry. That was against Dylan Carmouche, the guy the Bulls couldn't touch. And he fell to 3-6, and six, giving up nine runs. They actually let him continue to pitch through that seven-run second inning, and into the sixth, who had to be most disappointed. Garrett Harker, the Bearcats starter, was pulled with two outs in the fifth, one shy of getting a win. They wanted to get him to the fifth. He had, of course, given up a sixth spot early on, and it was 8-6 until he allowed the first two guys to get on. Well, Simon Baumgart, Homer, to tie it, so his day was done. Cincinnati just had enough in the end. Then it was a turnaround with Tulane falling behind and coming back and actually winning big 10-3 to in Game 2 where the Bearcats were ahead 3 nothing before Tulane popped for two in the fifth and then got five runs in the seventh inning. So this one was up for grabs, but just like the other series in Orlando and in Memphis, the ending game ended up actually in a run rule scenario where Cincinnati was comfortably ahead and decided to Walk it off early with a six-run bottom of the seventh, 12-1, indeed walking it off with a three-run homer 
by Cameron Guidry. So Bearcats can swing the bats, and they bring those to Tampa this weekend. So naturally and deservedly, Wichita State sweeps the two major honors. Pitcher, of course, Grant Adler, and then player goes to Peyton Tolley, not only for his complete game shutout, but he also drove in seven. Only had four hits on the week, but yeah, he was the player of the week. Andrew Sundin for UCF, who had three hits in back-to-back games against the Bulls, went 8-for-18 on the week with two homers and six ribs. I mentioned Guidry for Cincinnati, but Carrington Cross went 9-for-16 and nine runs, six ribs, on that five-man weekly honor roll, along with Arnold and Eknis from Houston and Garrett Pennington from Wichita State, who also tossed in three homers and seven RBI. Remember, they also played Oklahoma State. And speaking of that, they will play them again in Stillwater. And now all of a sudden, I was most curious after this weekend to see what the new RPI ranking was for Wichita State. They were in the 127th spot before the weekend. Now they're 88th. Yeah, it could be interesting. All along, it was assumed East Carolina and the only chance for a second team getting in from the conference would be if somebody else won the conference tournament. But now Wichita State with that sweep, could be in line if they continue to win, obviously, and Oklahoma State would certainly help. They actually play Kansas on Wednesday, too, although Kansas, not all the Big 12 teams are powerful, is outside of the top 100 with the below 500 record. But still, that would be something to see if Wichita State can continue to rise up the ranks. Wichita State softball team was upset this weekend. No, it won all three games but did not get a run rule. Yeah, that's how good Wichita is. Now 40-8, and eight, but East Carolina, respect, kept it within range, reasonable range, not run rule victories. In fact, the only team that the Shockers didn't run rule in conference play at least once was UCF, and they still beat the Knights 6 nothing and 10-5 to five in these games. Scores were 5-1, to 4 to nothing, and 7-1. to one. The real notable series, as we talked about on Bulls Beat Monday morning, and why I think it helps out the Bulls, it basically keeps Houston tied with USF. So if things play out how they should this weekend, again, this is thanks to Tulsa sweeping Houston in Houston, the Bulls would, with a sweep of Memphis, which is having a really tough season, and with UCF just taking two out of three from Houston, or say the Bulls were to lose once to Memphis, which would be an upset, but UCF swept Houston, either of those things are going to put the Bulls two games ahead of the Cougars going into the final weekend, and that would mean they would only need to win one of three in Houston to clinch the number three seed for the conference tournament. It's going to be Wichita 1, UCF 2. And Tulsa did it surprisingly easily in the first two games, but not so much in the third game. Tulsa is actually tied with the Bulls and Houston for third place right now at 6-6, six and six, but the problem for Tulsa is it has to go to Wichita this weekend. So you kind of have to envision three losses getting added to the schedule, and Looking at the Bulls playing Memphis and Houston, you never know, obviously, but you think it would favor the Bulls in that scenario. And Tulsa had no issues in the first game. 7-0, Mara Moore pitched the complete game. They got three home runs, including a two-run shot by Riley Keith that made it 3-0 in the fourth inning. Keith drove in four in the game. Closer in game two, but another solidly pitched Victory for Tulsa, 4-2. Big hit, pretty easy to pick out. Imani Edwards, a grand slam in the top of the third, and though Houston grabbed runs in the fourth and the fifth, Tulsa was able to get the win. Kylie Nash went the distance in this one. So in game three, it was Moore and Nash combining, and Nash started a wild rally as it was 4-2 Houston, two outs in the seventh inning, and nobody on base. And their ace pitcher, Jenna Wilkie, 
looking to at least grab the win for Houston. The only thing the Cougars had issues with was putting this game away earlier. They left 11 on base still. Again, nobody on, two outs, you're at home, and you are up 4-2. to two. You're probably thinking you're going to win. Kylie Nash rips the ball actually to the wall where she had to settle for a single, which was a little surprising, but she didn't want to chance the out at second base. Then their top hitter, Haley Morgan, singles sharply to left field. It's 4-2 to two still. Here comes Mackenzie Denson, the lefty, who is outstanding at the top of their order, actually in the two spot in this case. We saw her at the top of the order because, remember, Morgan got hurt against the Bulls. So she hits a sharp ball to shortstop and was not going to be an easy play for Brooke Lorenzo. Even if she stops the ball, it's probably bases loaded. But it ricocheted hard off her glove into center field where Paige Halsey, with one runner scoring on the ricochet, tried to get the out at third and threw it away. And Tulsa comes home with the tying run. Still, it's 4-4 to and there's two outs. And Tulsa hits what should have been an inning-ending ground ball out. And it goes right through the legs of the third baseman for an error. It was a stunning comeback from Tulsa. They've been stunned twice with four-run rallies in the seventh inning, namely by USF and Central Arkansas. So they had this coming, but try telling that to Houston, which falls to 19-24 and 24 overall. 20-23 and 23 is Tulsa's record. Decent chance, anyway, that these teams could replay in the four-versus-five game in Tampa in the conference tournament in a couple weeks. Wouldn't that be an anticipated game for both those squads. Interesting for the conference to just go with four on the honor roll for their players of the week. The hitter of the week slash player, Imani Edwards, had a 400-week, five RBI with that big grand slam against Houston. Alex Aguilar actually got over Sarah Willis of UCF. The reason is Aguilar got an eight-inning victory against third-ranked Oklahoma State in addition to tossing 11 shutout innings against East Carolina. Willis of UCF got the two Ws. Chloe Evans, who had a hit in each of their wins against the Bulls, including the walk-off single in Game 1. Now that I see it, first of all, Nash of Tulsa also on the honor roll, and then Lauren Lucas with her four hits for Wichita. So I guess if people had four hits and got on the honor roll, maybe that would explain why there were only six total with the weekly honors. Big midweek softball once again, this time Wichita State after beating Oklahoma State. Last week, guess what? Playing number one, Oklahoma. It is already sold out. We'll tell you how that goes down on Wednesdays around the American. It's also a busy midweek baseball night with the big one. We alluded to it earlier. Wichita State already has one win against Oklahoma State this year. We'll play them again. East Carolina against a top 10 NC State. Actually, NC State fell off last week. Got swept at home by Clemson, but still really good. East Carolina got swept, and that's still going to be a dang good matchup. It was an amazing three days in Orlando as far as the Men's Tennis Conference Tournament. Everything was competitive, even the one-versus-eight matchup in the quarterfinal where Temple got the doubles point and pushed Memphis to the brink. SMU in the 4-5 matchup could have gone either way against Tulsa. The former Bull, Antonio Muniz-Hidalgo, clinched it with a 9-7 tiebreaker while the other two matches were still possibly going in Tulsa's favor, so... That was very close and so interesting because you knew the winner of that match was going to have a chance against the top seed Memphis. Oh, Tulane, the two seed, got pushed to 4-3 by the seven seed Wichita State, and it came down to the very last match, which was interrupted at 6-5 Tulane by a rain delay before they finished it off. So the top four seeds advanced, but they were all very close matches. And then you had such intrigue going around Saturday because you had... 
like I mentioned, SMU, needing to beat Memphis to assure that they'd finish no worse than 500. Again, to get an at-large, you have to be at least 500. Memphis was already secure. Tulane was already secure as far as making the NCAA tournament. SMU, by its ranking, was on the bubble, but again, had to actually win the semifinal to be at-large eligible. Same thing for UCF playing on its home courts. Yeah, they had the computer ranking to get in, but they had to win to earn that minimum 500. Well, SMU knocked off the number one seed, and UCF lost to Tulane. And oh yeah, both scores were 4-3. to So the quarterfinals, two 4-3 to finals, and the others were 4-2. to Both semifinals and the finals were as close as possible. SMU gets Memphis. Two matches went to three sets and actually were kind of anticlimactic because Memphis won its 6-2, but then SMU wins its 6-2 in the third set. So it wasn't some sort of third set tiebreaker drama. Plenty of drama, nonetheless. And then UCF nearly overcame a loss in the doubles point to win the match against Tulane. A lot of tiebreakers, a lot of close ones. Actually, UCF had an easy win at number five singles, six love, six three. So they thought they were going to pull it off, probably because they were ahead three to two. But Tulane won the number four singles match, six love, in the third set. And then the number three singles match clinches the spot in the final where SMU edged the green wave just the reverse. They were able to win the last two singles matches after falling behind three to two. It's their second straight AAC championship. Meanwhile, it was already a good weekend for SMU tennis in general because the women had won their first ever AAC championship, and they did it in convincing fashion. There weren't a lot of close ones in this situation. Four to nothing for SMU against Temple and Tulsa, and four to nothing against UCF in the championship. We should say that the Knights defeated the Memphis team that eliminated the Bulls by a 4 nothing score, so it was kind of strange how these matches were lopsided. And sometimes a 4 nothing final is misleading because the team that gets quote-unquote shut out is winning one or more of the other matches in this case. No, UCF's top player was still playing, but she had lost her first set, was on serve in the second. This was a domination right here. Both these teams are going to the NCAA tournament. It's pretty cut and dry when it comes to tennis. We'll just learn where the teams are headed on Wednesday when the bracket is announced by the NCAA. On the men's side, it's going to be three. It's going to be the top two in the conference, Memphis and Tulane by the rankings anyway, and SMU gets the automatic bid. There's no chance for anybody else because everybody else is below 500. It's pretty cut and dried for men's golf. We already talked about the Houston Cougars and how they rolled to victory at the American Championship, the Bulls. Needed to win that one, and Houston was 9-under, by far the only team under par. They'll learn where they're going on Wednesday as well. Cincinnati looks good to make the field SMU on the bubble. On the women's side, it looks like those four teams that were ranked that we saw in Brooksville last week are all headed to the tournament. Of course, the champion, a lot of championships being posted by SMU these days, will go along with UCF Houston and Tulsa. Said we'd mention the cross. Florida Gators roll Vanderbilt 22-6 on Saturday. Temple beats East Carolina 11-7. Cincinnati tops Old Dominion 17-7. And JMU goes to Rutgers and wins 17-7. JMU 15-1 actually leading the conference. The Gators are right behind. 12-3 overall, 4-1 in the league. East Carolina is the other team above 500 in conference play, and Cincinnati is the other team that's above 500 overall. Ty Jankowski of JMU, a career-high five goals as the attacker of the week. Midfielder Bell Mastropietro of Temple. Defensive and goalie honors both go to Temple Owls, Katie Shallow and Taylor Grohlman, and Cameron Callaghan of Cincinnati 
Freshman of the Week with her 12th hat-trick of the season, five goals. That'll wrap up around the American. I'm Derek Sharp.